0: Fifty-seven to seven, Rod Babers. What do you think of that, man? Fifty-seven to seven. Your Texas Longhorns are Big Twelve regular season champs. Emphatically, uh, you, you're on the post game show on Texas Football, uh, sponsored by the folks at Flight. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton, alongside Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton. Guys, what a win! What a way to punctuate a
1: breakthrough season for Steve Sarkeesian. Hey, we said we wanted a, a, a four-quarter <laughs> game where this team played up to a standard where they played all three phases focused. This is probably as close as we've gotten all season long to it. I mean, you can count one or two series here and there where you probably want a different result. But, I mean, guys, that was an Old Testament, old biblical-style butt-whipping. And they scored in all three phases. All three phases scored. I mean, yeah. that's rare.
2: I, uh, and look, I mean, I was just talking to uh, um, Aaron about it. It's just this program is being built to last through recruiting and evaluation and player development. And that's the thing that gets me so excited is is this is a great season, a very good season. We'll see if it ends great. Um, but this is not I don't think this is going to be the best season at Texas if Sark's here through the Arch Manning years, as I expect. I don't think this is going to be the best season unless Texas goes on and wins a national championship. I think this thing's being built the right way. I think player development's the strength of the program, guys, um, and the future of the quarterback position looks really, really good.
0: Just absolutely crazy to me. You mentioned all three phases. Jet Bush on senior night with an interception wow. returned off his foot. Keelan Robinson takes one back to the house to start the second, uh, second half. You know what I thought right then and there when quick Keelan Robinson uh, uh, took that? You know what runs through Lubbock? Keelan Robinson. That's what, <laughs> that's what I was thinking right there, baby. Watching
2: that game, it felt like everybody ran through the injury tent to go to Lubbock. Dang
1: <laughs> it. a lot of guys getting dinged up oh. on both sides. Both yeah. I, 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 I mean, Xavier
2: Worthy would be a hell of a pro soccer player. Every time he goes I, down, he looks like it's over, the season's over, and then he trots out there. <laughs> That yeah, guy's, he's, he's, he's going to be in
0: Hollywood, there's no doubt. It's the magic <laughs> Brazilian towel that they used to rub on the players' knees and they'd come <laughs> back. That's what they do is everywhere. But in all seriousness, he got it going for Texas. He and Quinn Ewers started off pretty hot, moved down the field, got the seven points. After that, Texas had a pretty lethargic first half in many in, in many respects and not being able to really punch the ball in. But they did take the field goal, uh, the field goals. Burt Auburn, guys, five for five, including a 54-yarder. I mean, if there was ever any doubt that he's not one of the best place kickers in the country, are you kidding me right now? I mean, what does that make him, 23 for his last 23, Jerry? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I
2: think that's correct. I mean, he's, he's ran a l- He's got what well, what was it? 14 to 14. So he's 19 of his oh, nine. 19 of 19. I'm sorry. I yeah. think that ties Phil Dawson's all time record at Texas, right? I mean, somebody, uh, hey, uh, somebody will have yeah. that. Somebody will wow. have that. I, I think it's because uh, somebody wants us to acknowledge Arch. Hey, Arch looks really good. Arch is, Arch is – look, the one thing I said about Arch coming out of high school, he played under duress a lot, and that really benefits quarterbacks. The guys that play in the shotgun and throw it to the first read 99% of the time on these dominant high school teams have a bigger gap that they have to close at the college level. Arch played under duress, was never really on the most talented team, um, and that helps him
0: in this game of quarterback. Hey, that last run, by the way, for for those of you that were keeping track, that last, very last run by Texas Tech put them over the century mark for the game. So Texas did not hold Texas Tech under 100. Uh, If only Trey Wisner wouldn't have scored, right? (laughs) Then Texas would have held them under 100. Uh, (laughs) But, man, Trey Wisner looked good. The entire offensive line was made up of freshmen that ran – ran the ball down Texas Tech's throats to end the game. Yeah, that was
2: Jaden Chapman at left tackle in his first action, right? So they kept the red shirt on Goosby, got Chapman some action there. Um, look, and we talked about it, Bobby, they really like Goosby-Chapman. They like Stro. They like that freshman class offensive line. All of them won't hit. All of them won't stay the whole time. But uh, Goosby and Chapman in
0: particular have bright futures. Uh, you just look at it, and uh, the, 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 the stats – tell the story sometimes they don't texas racked up a total of is that that's a five i think 520 yards 528 five yeah. of uh total offense uh yeah. compared to uh what looks like less than 200 on the yep. night for texas tech uh rod babers you've seen a lot of good defenses uh and a lot of good defensive performances from texas through the years how does this rate up there uh in your in your mind
1: it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a a dominant performance. I mean, it's, it was interesting. I thought that Texas Tech would come in, which they did, and try to throw the ball to open up the run. Seems like a, you know, a fool's errand to come in and try to run the football against Texas. But this is when I'll give props to Tosh Brooks, and you brought it up, Jared, doing an in-game live watch. Man, Tosh Brooks was a man out there on some of those runs now. He, <laughs> he was going up against the best rush defense uh, that Texas had since 20, to 2009. One of the best rush defenses in the country, best rush defense in the Big Twelve, and yet there were times when Texas was hitting them, and they were just bouncing off. And he was making grown man runs out there, so I'll give him a lot of credit. Uh, But I, I thought the Texas defense shut down the passing game because they want basically Texas defense is proving they're going to make you one dimensional. All right, All right you are get, you, right. not, not getting both. You can get one. You may be able to get, you may be able to throw it. You may be able to run it. You make you make your choice. You are not getting both. And today they shut down the passing game. To my surprise,
2: uh, Isaiah Stewart saying as uh, Neto was bullying people in the run game. He certainly does that. Um, I, 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 Matthew, can you make that smaller again so we can see Texas Tech's passing attempts? Crazy, <laughs> uh, because this is the crazy one of the crazier stats. It's
0: unbelievable.
2: Eighty-eight yards passing in thirty-six passing attempts. They averaged two point four four yards a pass attempt. Rod, yeah. 2.4 yards a pass attempt for a game with 36 attempts. I've never seen a number like that in my life.
1: Yeah, and they came out trying to throw it. Like I said, I think they were throwing open up the run. And he had to, and by the way, Texas forced turnovers when they were yep. throwing it, right? you got takeaways in addition to that, Jerry. So and one of the things I'll throw out there, I'm not saying this is the reason that they held them to 2.4 yards per attempt, but I think it was one of the factors. We brought this up, Jerry, in-game live watch, and I, I talked about it being the first thing that I noticed. They're playing more, and this happened when Ryan Watts went down. So surprisingly, I don't know if it has something to do with Ryan Watts or a matchup based on what, they're playing more bump and run coverage on the field side, in addition to the boundary side. Young Bucks were playing bump and run on both sides, not just situationally either, not just on third down, talking about on first down, second down, third down. And I think it helped out, especially during some of those inside breaking routes. There was a lot of sticky coverage in this game from the Texas DBs, started with the corners. Uh, but to Jerry's point, he made doing in game live watch might have been because they they didn't have any fear of yes. the Texas Tech wide receivers or any fear of the offensive line of Texas Tech. Right. Well, that's part of it. But I do I do know that Sarks that's one of his his ultimate goals defensively is to be able to play bump and run on both sides, foul, field field and boundary. And when Rod Watch went down, Malik Muhammad and Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes too. I mean, they did. It. I mean, they did it, they did a lot more in this game than I've seen them do it in any game. I think that led to some of the sticky coverage, which led to some of the inefficiency in the passing game from Texas Tech.
2: Uh, for, for people in the comments saying Texas has to jump Oregon, has to jump Oregon now, I, I, it's just not going to happen, guys. Oregon's they're beating up on Oregon State a lot worse than Washington did last week. So I just don't think that's happening, but I think things are going to take care of themselves.
0: Hey, I want to say, before we go any further, I want to play something that was played over the loudspeaker at the University of Texas tonight in the fourth quarter. Uh, Matt, please bring this up. Uh, it's from a tweet that we took, uh, and uh, I'm I'm enjoying this. Y'all enjoy it too, okay? You better take care of business like you did right
1: here, loving last year.
0: I kind of kind of ballsy there for the University of Texas to put that up there. Gore Mark was in uh, in uh, Austin tonight on the sidelines pregame. Too bad for him. Uh, he saw a butt whooping. Uh, Longhorns uh, just absolutely wow. taking care of business, fifty-seven to seven. Guys, what a game for a Texas! Uh, I, I look at it, and it was just total domination. Yep. I mean, Taj yeah. Brooks was a, a is a really really good player. Outside of football. that, yeah, what did Texas Tech have that worried right. anybody the whole
2: game? I, I know this. Their left side of their offensive line couldn't do anything in pass pro, right? I mean, they, they struggled in pass pro. Um, and it goes back to, you know, somebody I talked to, Bobby, and I told you this, said, there aren't, there aren't offensive lines in this league to handle us. <laughs> I was told that before K-State,
0: and I was like, ooh, that was a pretty confident statement. Seems like it. Yeah, I, I tell Seems you like what, uh, you look at the Texas defense and you can talk about all of it, but the takeaways, not only Jet Bush uh, Malik Muhammad, Terrence Brooks had another one. That's his third of the year. Uh Jalen Ford got his hand on the ball. Michael Taft maybe should have had another one as well, guys, or could have had another one. Uh they were after the quarterback early and often past, and pass and in on the pass rush. I mean, it was a dominating performance. Yeah, Taj Brooks made some people, you know, pay with second jet second uh run after contact, but my goodness. Uh, the Texas defense just took it to a different level, uh, in my opinion. Uh, all right, uh, look at right, let's take a look at the defensive stats here. Jalen Ford, the senior, uh, walked on senior night, finishes with eight tackles. Derek Williams, the, the true freshman out of New Iberia, with six. Alfred Collins with five, maybe his most productive night uh, as a Longhorn. Anthony Hill, he had a whale of a stop on a fourth down, guys, uh, after getting an unsportsmanlike uh, conduct a penalty that freshmen get, you know, yeah. in a, in a situation like that. Keaton Crawford with four, David Bindo with four, Maurice Blackwell. Look at those numbers from the linebackers. Again, the defensive lineman keeping him off of it. Uh, all in all, though, guys, uh, look at that. Trey Wisner comes up. Did, look, cool. man, look at this. Trey Wisner had three tackles on the night. Yeah. That's how many that times. Yeah. Tech returned, and Wisner had a – not only that, but he looked terrific as a young running back. I mean, Arch Manning looked terrific as a young uh, young quarterback. Jonte Gook got some action, really extended time. Boy, I don't know where to start and, and maybe where to finish uh, tonight because uh, Longhorns put it on the Red Raiders big time.
1: Yeah, I think it's symbolic, right, on senior night. Uh, you're sending out your, your seniors, your veteran, that leadership. Uh, they're leaving, uh, and it's something you're honoring them with, and it's great, and it's it's a celebration of sorts. But then you get to see the sneak preview of some of the young talent that Texas is developing. Jerry talked about it. That's the difference between this regime and the other previous regimes. The biggest difference, now there are a lot of differences. The biggest difference is they're, they're just developing the talent. The talent's getting better. I mean you can you can visibly see it in real time. You can see guys that are getting better all right, throughout the season. They're getting better from season two season. Now that right, we got three seasons to stack up, and there's no doubt about it. That's why they're on a positive track and trajectory. That's why there's substance to this turnaround that we see from Texas football with Steve Sarkeesian. So you're right. I mean, seeing the young bucks out there getting chances uh, when, when X-Man went down and when other guys, uh, when they got the blowout, that was encouraging too. Now uh, guys making plays from all over the field. And I thought something that, you know, was, you know, really interesting. You started looking at, you know, the, you know, the young offensive line, the young running backs are throwing out there. I mean, you almost forget, you know, that Jay Brooks, was it's, it's crazy to say that i almost forgot that jay brooks who was a mvp of the offense went down two games ago and then we were all freaking out and paranoid and then you got Jaden blue who steps up today and Jaden blue ends up with a breakout game last game it was cj baxter in a breakout game um so yeah it is a, it's, it does feel like it's the culture where guys are just stepping up into those roles they've been waiting for their opportunity they've been putting in the work and then they get their chance and They show out. Uh, So, I Jaden Blue did that today. I'll give Jaden Blue a lot. Even take out the explosive run, guys. He still was averaging over, you know, almost six yards a carry, taking out the explosive. six. That that was the
2: thing at halftime. Texas was running the ball so well, you know, you kind of went, okay, why are you throwing it 30 times essentially? Yeah, got sacked on a few. If you took out the explosive run, Texas was averaging six and a half yards a carry with Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue in the first half. Yeah. Of the game. So you take out the explosive run and they were still averaging a first down every two times
0: they touched it.
1: It's crazy.
0: All right. Uh, JT Sanders has a little tweet for everyone to see here. I believe it's JT Sanders. Uh, you want to pull that up for us, Matt, and uh, show it to us? Yeah. No, don't shit run through. You love it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. All right. Let's pull that one down. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what they're thinking, guys. Uh, it was personal. The last two, I think, guys, mm-hmm. were personal. I, right. I have to tell you, I think that's what this team responds to a little bit. Maybe uh, the they read their own press. They, they read their own press press clippings uh, after as they after they beat Alabama, thought they could just uh, cakewalk through it. The last two games of the year, though, they've had laser focus in many regards, and you see what kind of team they can be. Right. That that's where. It, I really believe this, that uh, this is a team that still now realizes what they can be now that they're laser focused. I mean, this is a this is a different category team than what we saw just four or five weeks ago. Rod, this if this team goes to Houston, that's not a one score game. Yeah, if this same team even goes to TCU, it's not a one score game.
1: Yeah, it's maybe I mean right now. Those those teams didn't call out Texas culture, right? Yes, uh, that's, that's that, my point. <laughs> that that Texas Tech called out Texas culture after they beat them last year and then kept it going in the offseason, Iowa State called out Texas culture. And it's interesting. I love that Sark takes the high road prior to the games, but after the games, the players and I haven't I haven't watched the post game for Sark, but I'm sure he took a took a couple of shots. We just saw him play in the stadium. I mean, I'm sure Sark and CDC had to approve of that—that that they played the Brent Yardmore comments in the stadium. So yeah, I love they use it as motivational currency, right? It's uh, they'll spend it when they need to. And before this game, you can tell that they want to make a statement, and uh, that was one of the most profound, loud statements I think I've heard from Texas football in a long time.
0: All right. uh, Before we go any further, I want to say thank you to our sponsor of the post game show uh, here on, on Texas football. Uh, The sponsor is flight. It's the taste of game time flight by yingling the next generation of light beer taste for yourself flight by yingling. Also thank you to our other sponsor that is Faust distributing. Uh, We appreciate them uh, as well. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton alongside uh, Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton uh, guys, we've got more than three thousand people on here right now simultaneously. I think tell your everybody's we excited have five about tonight. it. Tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's excited. Longhorns eleven and one. Wow. And you know, I I tell you what, I predicted ten and two, Jerry. You went ten and two, Rod. You went ten and two. 10 yeah, it's unbelievable, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Longhorns come out and win the Big Twelve regular season title. Now they'll wait until tomorrow. Uh, to see who wins the Oklahoma State-BYU game. If Oklahoma State wins, the Longhorns play uh, the Cowboys in Arlington uh, a week from tomorrow. If Oklahoma State happens to lose, it will be a rematch with the Oklahoma Sooners, who absolutely demolished TCU earlier today. Uh, Rod and Jerry, I, I, Jerry, I want to go to you here. Uh, there were some, it sounds like there are about 75 recruits in the stands uh, according to folks today, uh, any big name guys that that people need to know about, uh, etc. Uh,
2: not 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 really where people are focused right now. Twenty twenty five guys, uh, defensive lineman Zion Williams from Lufkin, um, and uh, Edge Max Granville out of Fort Bend Christian. His dad played for the Oilers, so uh, obviously there's like, some commitments there. Kobe Black may have been there, uh, but this because of the high school playoffs. It took a lot of those guys a way that Texas would have at this game. But the great thing is some of those kids are watching the game. Uh, but, yeah, no, this was more a bunch of 25s and 26s in the stands. But this is where this season matters. There's names that uh, the majority of fans won't even be familiar with the first time they hit, they hear the name. Uh, but those guys matter right now in recruiting because the, the one thing this season does, it's going to get more feet in the door for Texas to evaluate. More players are going to come to Austin to be evaluated. Uh, so I think that's really where it's at 2024. Look, we talked about it this morning, Bobby. Texas may go one or two smaller numbers in the high school class and go a little bigger in the portal. There Kobe Black announces November 29th. Texas has a big lead there. Texas is trying to flip Xavier Phil same. They may shut it down at that point. There's a possibility. I mean, yes, if a Justin Williams wanted to flip, but he hadn't been talking to Texas the last couple of weeks as much as he had been previous. Um, So we'll have to see if they make a push for a tie, Anthony Smith, uh, see what they do. Uh, I think they may save maybe a punt on a high school number and take an extra guy in the portal, though. That's the way it's
0: sounding right now. All right. I I want to go back and circle back now to the offensive stats. Matt, can you – Matt, our producer, Matt Hutchison, does a great job for us. Can you bring up uh, the offensive stats for Texas? I want to go down and uh, look at some stuff uh, that happened today, particularly the run game. Uh, Quinn Ewers was a little spotty at times. Uh, The pass rush got to him a little bit. Uh, They did not uh, execute necessarily well in the red zone. He threw a red zone pick a little uncharacteristically. I thought he forced that ball. Uh, But let's look at this. 17 of 26 for 196. Not a big night for Quinn, but look at that rushing. Oh so yes 69 yards by Jaden Blue but otherwise man they just kept going and going and going at them, uh every which way 43 totes tonight for 302 yards uh really just 39 by the running backs or actually minus three because Arch Manning also had a had a uh, a couple runs as well I just yeah. thought they controlled the line of scrimmage yeah I thought Texas can the Texas offensive line. More so than any of those receivers or the quarterbacks or even the running backs, they controlled the line of scrimmage for the most part, and uh, Texas was able to move the ball. Uh, y'all's, y'all's big takeaway on offense, Rod or Jerry, whoever wants to go first. Um, yeah, look,
2: I think uh, it, the the two backs. Rod's been calling for this. Jaden Blue's big run was two back. The um, mm-hmm. I, I, two back set. You're talking about, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. I, I, the more two-back, what I like about a two-back set with a Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue, or a, if it was Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Blue, uh, Jaden Blue versus a uh, Brooks and Baxter, is you have a home run hitter and an inside guy that fits the scheme, and then you have a home run hitter. Mm-hmm. I If they run that two-back, I really like it if it's a Baxter and a Blue in at the same time, because it gives you two totally different skill sets, Two totally different runners, but both of those guys have really good hands, too, if they throw it to them. I I really like that, and I would love to see uh, Sark run that more. I know Rod would.
1: Yep, it is. is, I I, I tell you guys, I thought it was Bijan and Rojo, the reason that it was such an explosive and efficient personnel package. I mean, it's called the Pony Package. Two tailback sets of your 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. But this year, I'm mind-blown. It still tracks. It is Texas' most explosive and their most efficient personnel grouping. The sample size is much smaller because he's not using it as much because it's not Bijan and Rojo. But I think he's now tracked the same thing that I've tracked. And he's like, man, it's really good. Even without Jay Brooks. Think about it. Without Jay Brooks, they're using it more. There was no reason for you to up the usage without Jay Brooks unless you're thinking and looking at it and going, guys, all the numbers and analytics tell me that this package is really explosive. And I'll have to go find the, uh, the Nick Saban quote. I heard Nick Saban in an interview a couple of years ago saying that he hates going up against uh, 21 personnel uh, run, uh, run formations and run-oriented plays because he said it throws off the angles of the rush defense. He said and teams don't practice against two back sets like that. He said so it, it throws off the blocking scheme and throws off the, uh, the run fits and the angles in the run game for the defense. And it's something that has worked post Bijan and Rojo. So, like I said, it still tracks guys. And Sark's been using it ever since his time in Atlanta. Uh, when he followed Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, Shanahan uses more 21 personnel than anybody else, two backs, one tight ends. But he uses a traditional fullback, old-school fullback, right? We're well, not old school. Kyle Juszczyk is not an old-school fullback, but you get my point. He's a fullback. Sark doesn't like fullbacks, but Sark wanted to transition the offense without having to go cold turkey. So he kept the same pieces, but decided to go with, I think it was Coleman, uh, it was Kevin Coleman, uh, Coleman and Devontae uh, Freeman, were his two. he went pony package, two tailbacks, and that's how he started getting a little bit of an infatuation with the two tailback sets. And when he got to Texas, got D.J. Rojo and went, let me break out this two tailback set I used to use in Atlanta, and now I think he just likes it because it works. <laughs> it's amazing how that that happens. Something works,
0: you like it, right? Hey, <laughs> yeah. I, I, somebody made the comment in here, and I and I do agree with this. Every single running back that played tonight looked good. Yeah, every single one, and that goes to Jerry's comment and yours, Rod, about them developing players right now. They're bringing the right guys in, and then they're making plays. Uh, you saw what little you saw of Jonte Cook tonight. Yeah. Impressive, right? Uh, taking that little uh, stop route and then making something extra out of it. Uh, Arch Manning, of course, we want to talk about a little bit more uh, as we go forward uh, tonight. But it was an interesting time for them to bring in Arch. Who would have thought he would have been playing in the third quarter, guys? Well, look, That's well, how thorough this butt whipping was. I know
2: Sark's going to get asked about this, and we don't know what happened, but uh, uh, Malik left the field tonight during the game. So I don't know. We don't know what happened. We'd be speculating, but he was not on the field
0: when Arch came into the game. Interesting. Well, I mean, look, you can't they, they didn't talk about it on the on the on the broadcast. I don't want to uh, sit here and uh, guess. I need to do some more research on that before. We I really. to see Sark has to say in the uh, press. He'll be asked anything. about it. He'll be asked about that. Yeah, let's see if he says anything at all. And I don't want to presume one thing or another about a player. So let, let's oh, People uh, are,
2: people are saying him. he got rolled up and hurt on the sideline on a play.
0: Okay. That would right. make
2: sense. I mean, that would make sense that he got hurt and they walked him back. And the TV camera didn't
0: show up because he wasn't a starter in the game. Got it. That makes sense. All right. Um, you know, I look at it, guys, and uh, let's talk a little bit about Arch Manning. I mean, we tried to. I tried to hold it off as long as I could, but frankly – uh, after the game was well in hand and we can talk about that until we're blue in the face, Manning came in and it may have been the second or third loud, loudest cheer of the game at that point. Oh, you have to tell me <laughs> games
1: like this, hey guys, calm down, calm down.
0: <laughs> uh, but Rod, what I would say to you, and, and you know this, you've seen coronations of quarterbacks before. I mean, mm-hmm. you've watched it happen. Uh. How did you think the young freshman
1: from New Orleans looked tonight? Uh, for a freshman, I, I thought he looked like he was really in you know command of the offense, which is strange to say for a freshman. I, I, he looked like he was comfortable out there. I um, uh, completed a pass under duress, and Jerry's been talking about it. That you know is something for him that is not unfamiliar, right? He's familiar with being under duress, having to make plays on the run, and his athleticism. Something that Longhorn fans have been you know bragging about. That hey, of all the Mannings and the, the, the Long the Manning, the legacy of the Mannings, right? He's he's the next heir apparent, He's the most athletic of those quarterbacks. You know, he's the one that can move around and he can run, extend plays, better second reaction. Uh, the other mannings are more they want to be in the pocket. They they love the, the sanctity, security of the pocket, and they want to operate within the offense. This is an, a manning that's a different breed that may be able to operate better off schedule sometimes and they did and it showed that was actually something that was I think a couple of times we saw him operate like that so I I just I thought his maturity was pretty you know uh, it was pretty obvious early on that he wasn't rattled he looked pretty calm I love that he was just telling the crowd calm down guys we got this don't don't get too excited you know and it, it's just different every quarterback's different right Malik went there for the first time and what did he do he hyped up the crowd <laughs> Remember when he went down, he looks like, Get up, let's go, let's go. It's just everybody's different. But I just, I like, I like the way he approached it. I just thought that was interesting that, the different approaches by the two young QBs.
2: I, I thought, uh, how decisive those two throws were. Um, you know, I mean, look, that was he ripped both of those balls in there. But the thing about the thing about Arch, seeing him in person, and I said this on the fourth quarter of Telecast, Bobby, uh, Rod. I don't remember seeing a quicker release in my 20-plus years in this business. I mean, Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray was right there, but Arch is just right here. It's just right here, and it's such a flick. Um, So he just – that release, he is going to be hell on wheels in RPO. He is built for the RPO game in college, Rod, because he can Mm -hmm. move enough.
0: Uh, He really moves well. I mean, of all the things that surprised, I think, most people tonight, it wasn't necessarily the arm strength. Or even yeah. that you know, a lot of people don't even notice how uh, comfortable a quarterback looks. That's not something they first pick up on, right, Rod? Uh, but his wheels to get to the outside uh, when the pocket was collapsing around him, and the decisiveness with which he did that—yep, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, that looked like a guy that that can uh, deal with a pass rush. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, like uh, to Jerry's point, he sat, sat in there, ripped it, had one third down conversion to Jonte Cook. Then had a big fourth down conversion as well to Casey Kane on really well thrown balls, uh, by the way, and quick decisions and got it out and done. Uh, after that, Trey wiser took care of the rest in that yeah, really yeah, young that. offensive line as well. At what point, point, uh, 300 yards rushing, guys. It's like I, I go back to this. Yes, Arch Manning looked good. Yes, the receivers. Uh, Xavier Worthy continues to look good. Nine Mitchell, Jordan Whittington. Got a little more involved again, Rod and Jerry, uh, early in the game, not much in the second half. Uh, But the offensive line for Texas, I think, controlled the game. Yeah, they did. They did. Look, in
2: in the second we knew Jalen Hutchings wasn't playing, okay, he's an all-Big 12-level player, second team. You knew they were going to have issues because – They weren't a team that sacks the quarterback a lot, right? And they gave up with Hutchings last last week before he got there. They gave up 285 yards rushing the UCF. So they're not a good rush defense, but then they lost their anchor on the inside. You knew, Texas, if they just did their assignments or they were going to be able to open up holes, and that's exactly what they did. Because Hutchings, was he is their NFL defensive lineman amongst that group. And when he was out, that was bad news for Tech. That's why that line started moving so much. I really yeah. believe that.
0: It, it, it's possible. I mean, my my take on, on the offensive line is the second team guys look as menacing as the first team. Uh, yeah, the the first team looked a little bit more uh, together. But the second team, when you start looking at guys like Cam Williams, uh, Cole Hudson, Connor Robertson, uh, Neto, Jaden Chapman. Those guys are all, they all have NFL caliber size, guys, and ability. And I, I just think that, you know, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face, but 11 and 1 is a great season. Yeah. Great. And, and Texas next year goes yeah. to the SEC. They need those type of players each and every week in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, so I tell you what, uh, gonna be interesting to see and watch these guys develop over the next couple of years. All right. Uh, this is uh, the postgame show uh, brought to you by Flight, the next generation of light beer from the folks at Yingling and also from Faust Distributing. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship, an ongoing sponsorship of the post game show. Uh, we do now officially have something else to, to announce. We have a post game show that will be on next Saturday. Oh, well. yeah. <laughs> we were we were wondering whether we we're going to have that one or not, but we are. Uh, the Longhorns eleven and one headed to the Big Twelve Championship uh, game tomorrow night. All right, let's get to some questions. We're going to take a look, some questions and some comments uh, here, Matt. If you don't mind uh, playing uh, MC of this uh, thing, let's let's get some questions going, uh, G- Jerry. This from Nathan Mac- Mac- McNamee. Jerry, you weren't kidding about the quick release of Arch Manning. You just nice. went over that, and I I got to say I agree that rollout to the right. He put it on the money to Jontae Cook, guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He he is. Rod. <laughs>
2: hey, yeah, hey yeah. Rod. Rod, talk about this. He Boom. is going to be hell on wheels in a college RPO game because of his feet and that release.
1: Yeah. Oh, no question. And by the way, that's Sarks. That's why they're so compatible, right? Sark's offense. He describes it as an yeah. RPO based passing game. And ideally, that's that's why you know he loves Quinn. Even though one fans get frustrated with Quinn trying to go through progressions, even in this game, it's a blowout, but. Quinn deep into progressions, that's an issue. So Sark gives Quinn a lot of predetermined throws and it he, he even got him, tr- got him in trouble with the pick. That was a predetermined throw. He wasn't making a read, guys. If he was making a read, then he can't read. And I refuse to believe he's illiterate. All right, he can read. That—that <laughs> that Coach told him, that's, that's your throw right there. It's going to be open. And I man Jerry brought it up before he throw and said, A.D. Mitchell, they're going to target him here. Because he was like, I, just for well, what you, what hey, you him wish? and Sark,
2: him and Sark, they were all in the huddle, and AD Mitchell and him were like talking. You could tell something was coming.
1: And then Jerry said they're gonna throw an AD Mitchell. I think Sark, he convinced Sark to, to target him. I'm not saying that's what happened, but just putting the clues together. So I think for 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 Arch Manning because he's in, he's got that quick release. He's a natural RPO quarterback, and I yeah. think he'll probably be better at naturally going through progressions. When they do go through, trade of a drop back passing game than a Quinn are. so you'll have the best of both worlds. Now they they, they they're, they're heavy RPO and they were in this game. They killed Texas Tech on the RPO over and over again. Now Tech just gave it up, but they they just killed they killed Tech on the RPO. I will say that now uh, with, with 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 Quinn, if you know if Quinn moves on or whatever. Sark will have probably a more compliment, a full complement of his playbook because he'll have the drop back, too. With Quinn, he's taken out a lot of just straight dropbacks, and now it's just more of the RPO play-action pass game, which is awesome. It's great, um, but every, every quarterback's got their limitations, and it looks like for Arch, man, one thing early on he's going to be able to do is eat people up in the RPO game like Jerry says.
0: All right, uh, that's uh, Rod Babers there. They're talking a little uh, Texas football. Uh, here's one from Tubbin, Tubbin in Texas. Uh, I picked Texas by 21 this morning. I was wrong. Hey, mm-hmm. I picked Texas by seven.
1: I was, wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I picked them by like 14 or seven. I was wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anybody <laughs>
0: that picked a 50-point win, more power to you uh, today. But uh, the Longhorns uh, just going at it. This one from Bomb City Blue Jay. How about that for style points? Would this be the right time to use the frame fifty burger?
1: Itty, <laughs> itty. Yes. So, no, is, there, is there any comparison yeah. by the committee since Tech played Oregon? Do they know, do that?
2: That they were talking about this in the uh, comment section. I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't think it'll be what Texas fans are hoping it is because yeah. Oregon just pounded Oregon State more so than Washington did, even though it was at Oregon state last week. Um, mm-hmm. Look, but I, I think it all takes care of itself. I mean, it, this stuff comes down to, um, it comes down to FSU losing a game. We've been talking about this. Somebody's going to lose in Ann Arbor tomorrow and they're out because they're not going to other teams, not playing for a conference title. So they're out of this. Mm-hmm. Then you have Georgia and Alabama. Okay. Then you have Washington and Oregon, the loser of Washington Oregon's out the winner, probably in the playoff. Um, uh, this thing all comes down to Texas winning the lead eight game next week in Dallas and FSU losing. I don't. Th- I'm not expecting Texas to jump Oregon in the polls uh, on Tuesday. I'm. I'm just not. I know people are saying that Oregon beat Tech by 50. No, uh, but Oregon just beat a ranked team pretty handle at home as well. It's it's hard for it, it's it's going to be hard for them to make that move based on what Oregon just did as well. I mean, your quarterback goes 33 of 40 for 400 yards. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm not, I don't think Texas is going to jump Oregon. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think Texas really needs to weigh in on the fact that Florida State's got to lose. That's it. I mean, because I think one Pac 12 team is going to get in. That's what Mm -hmm. it looks like to me. One Big 10 team is going to get in. One SEC team is going to get in. And it comes down to which one you choose between an ACC team and a Big 12 team. That's, that's what will happen.
2: So was oh, By in- the way, the guys are attacking me now. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying what I think yeah. the committee is going to do. Exactly. Look, I mean, Oregon hadn't beaten ranked team. I, I, did, I was surprised when Oregon was ahead of Texas. I'm just predicting what the committee's going to do based on what they already did. That's, mm-hmm. where, that's where I'm coming from. I agree with that. Texas has played better schedule. I mean, look, Texas wants Oklahoma State to win the mark and Kansas State to win the mark. If that's going to have to be – Texas argument uh that's gonna have to be Texas argument I mean that's what it is hey look we've played a better schedule but again this whole thing the way it's set up when Texas came out seven and Oregon was six this thing the writing was on the wall for this college football playoff unless somebody really got upset uh, somebody's got to beat FSU whether that was with Jordan Travis healthy or not that Miami game was so tight late somebody's got to knock FSU off
0: yep All right, before we go further, I want to talk a little bit about the third. We talked about offense and defense. I want to talk about special teams. Uh, But before we even go there, I want to mention some injury news and notes. Uh, Ryan Watts went out with a stinger at the uh, very first play of the game. Uh, He returned to the sideline in street clothes. So he should be fine. Uh, Texas had no other major injuries. We all watched Xavier Worthy come on and off the field several times. Uh, J- JT Sanders came back after he was down for a little bit as well, but it doesn't look like Texas sustained any major injuries. Uh, as far as Texas techs, uh, a young man that got carted off. Uh, I do not have an update there, but absolutely wish him and his family the absolute, uh, best at this point in time. All right, so let's move on to special teams, Rod and Jerry. Uh, we mentioned the Keelan Robinson, uh, return that made, DKR go absolutely bonkers to start the second half. Uh, but also, let's not forget Michael Taft yeah. uh, with a punt block, putting mm-hmm. Texas in scoring position, giving him another field goal. Uh, it, it seems like he's always around the ball. and It also seems like Texas's special teams was once again special.
1: We got to give Jeff Banks a lot of credit, man. I mean, special teams has been the most consistent phase of the game for Texas since start got on campus. Right since Sark's been here, special teams hasn't had a down year. Every defense has had one. Offense has had a down year until Sark got it together and got his guys. And now, obviously, they're they're, they're clicking on all in all three phases. But I don't know. if Special teams had a down year, did they? I think they were they were good. One of the top units in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, same thing, and this year too. Now it looks different, right? Sometimes it's more efficient, more effective this year. I see that they're making more of the splash plays this year, but either way, I mean, the special teams has been, I think, one of Texas' are not one of the most consistent phases of the game since Sark got on you know, and got here. That's because of Jeff Banks. You got to give him a lot of credit.
0: Well, also, we're sitting here looking at the special teams numbers, and I didn't even mention Bert Auburn. Not with yeah, five I- field goals uh, added on top of that punt block, uh, as well as the kick return for a touchdown. Five for five for Auburn. What a what a comeback season for him. After starting off kind of mediocre to begin the season, uh, he has just uh, turned it on as something special. Uh, Texas had good returns all night long in the punt return game. Xavier Worthy almost with 50 yards in returns, uh, guys, as well. Uh, and you know what? Texas only had to punt twice all night long. At one point during, oh, the game. by the way,
1: the, by
2: the way, the one bad call ref, the refs made tonight, Bird Auburn, that was not a. Fi- I mean, Sandborn, that was not a five-yard penalty. He got blasted. <laughs> that was Rob. Right. His leg was up. blasted when they were going five, five. I was like five. What take three hands and put up five? I mean, what, yeah. was, what kind of yeah. call was that? I agree with you
1: on that. Run Finn didn't get hit that hard tonight. No, you're yeah. right. Running into the kicker is incidental. That was not incidental. He hit him. Come <laughs> on, man. Yeah.
0: I uh, I was going to mention this. If you would have told me Texas was only going to punt twice tonight, I think I would have taken that and gone to the bank. Yeah, because uh, that's all Texas had to punt tonight as well, uh, and uh, had tw- all both of those were inside uh, the twenty. Uh, Mike Grant says Bert Auburn fifteen, Texas Tech seven. True. Hey, you Good know what? Job, that's Mike. that's <laughs>
1: worth <laughs> discussing because. I wonder, you know, Sark's taking the points now, right? A lot of Longwood fans are proud of him for taking the points. Uh, I think it also is a trusting. thing. Sark's big on trust. He's, he's, he talks about it a lot. I think that's why his, his wide receiver circles are really tight. I don't think he trusts a lot of wide receivers who don't necessarily earn his trust or in that circle. Um, I think also with Bird Auburn, early on in the season, he he was going for it more often in the red zone. You know uh, on the goal line, he was thinking, you know what, I, I gotta get touchdowns. I don't know if he trusted Bert Auburn because Bert Auburn was struggling a little bit, he was inconsistent or he was struggling with he was inconsistent. Now that Bert Auburn has proven himself to be one of the more reliable kickers in the country and he has found his confidence and found his groove. Now Sorex in the even in the red zone there, he's deciding, you know what, I'm gonna take the point. I think it's two things. I think it's just trusting Bert Auburn, number one, I think it's also start coming to the he's accepting the reality that his team no matter how talented they are and no matter how brilliant he is as a play caller they're they just suck in the red zone it ain't you know what's it ain't it just you can't do anything about it he, he has tried every possible solution and remedy you you know that man's been working he's been staying up night trying to figure that out he's been stealing plays from other teams working on it He's, you know, he just, it it just don't work. Whatever it is, they can't figure it out. They're bad in the red zone. So I think now he's accepting that he's deciding, Bird Auburn, you know what? I'll just take those points and we'll, and we'll live to fight another day. And it helps him stay in control of the game. When you didn't take the points and every now and then you would have a turnover on downs down there, you would give your opponent a lot of hope and you would infuse them with momentum. And that's why we would have these stretches where Texas would let the opponent back in the game. Even though they had a double-digit lead, and I think that's what he's realizing that yeah, I may take the net, def- I may take the temporary L, getting the field goal, but hey, two field goals, I'm still basically getting close to seven points. I'm okay there. And that's basically what he got at the end of the half. He got two field goals, wasn't a touchdown, still two field goals though, still points on the board.
0: I I, I agree with you. I think there's something going on with that as far as being more reliable with Burt Auburn, and he's come to rely more on his defense too, Rod. That's true. Like he doesn't yeah. feel like he has to score touchdowns now necessarily, as long as he's putting points on the board. I think that's a little bit of it as well. Uh, so I think, I think it could be a combo of things. was so right,
2: asking about kickoffs tonight. Yeah, I mean, look, if there was one thing we look at tonight, they didn't get the ball to the end zone enough. And Tech had a really good kickoff return guy. Guy was averaging half per kick, had a touchdown. Uh, so look, that's uh, uh that's the one area tonight. I don't know if, if they were kicking short on purpose, which doesn't make sense to me with that guy, uh, or if or if Stone just didn't quite have the leg uh, leg tonight he had uh, earlier in the season. But that's the one thing uh, that's the one thing you would look at tonight. And say okay, got to get the ball in the end zone a little bit
0: more there. Yeah, they also directionally kicked away from McCray as well at times, too. All right, uh, let's uh, talk about this real quick. Gerth Nowitzki, what did y'all think of CDC playing the yourmark video? Uh, and also this one from Michael Williams. Hook em, baby. I'm so glad Brett yourmark got to sit there and watch this game. Michael, I, I agree with you. I'm really, I'm really happy he did, too, buddy. That, that made my <laughs> night, by the way. Um, hey, let's talk a little bit about a couple of the running backs, if you don't mind. Uh, Trey Weisner tonight with the uh, Sean Roberts as Trey Wisner, the next Jay Brooks. He looks silky out there. Coach is building this team the right way. Uh, and then this one uh, that I, I thought was absolutely true. Uh, Michael Dutton, Bobby, how about Jaden blue? Thanks mm-hmm. for all that you guys do. 11 and one. We mentioned this early. Yeah. The, the running backs all had moments uh, today. You can see why. Uh, they like Cedric Baxter so much, Jerry, because he is that. He's that. Just he can take a punishment, right? He can. He can really hit it, uh, but still take that punishment. Savion Red had a good game. Jaden Blue, though, with that 69 yarder, and then obviously Trey Wisner, uh, in in wow. really garbage time, just looked terrific, guys. Terrific. What I mean, does Trey? Who does Trey Wisner, Does he remind you of Jonathan Brooks? I'll tell you who he reminds me a little bit of is Jamal Charles.
1: Oh Yeah, I, 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 I
0: just need—I need to see He's more. Not that fast, Rod. Ooh. Rod. Yeah. The, the slender build and can still go sideways. You like? Yeah. Took that ball against the grain. Uh, uh, people are asking about
2: Cedric Baxter. We haven't heard anything on him. I'm sure Sark will
0: talk about it in the uh, post game. It looked like, guys. Just so you know, he's been dealing with the injury all season, yeah, and still continues to have one. Uh, and so I, I don't, I still don't know that we've seen the best Cedric Baxter that we're going to see.
1: Uh, I think we should also give more props to number one to Short Choice. If you look at these running backs and <laughs> and now there's not a drop off, and you know, when these guys are getting in there, we got to give to Short Choice a lot of credit in terms of development. And the O-line. I got to give a lot of credit to it. In terms of run blocking. And it, it seems like, and Jaden Blue was great, but I talked about how paranoid I was when Jonathan Brooks went down and then Cedric Baxter had his breakout campaign against Iowa State on the road, by the way, where you've got to pack your run game. And then you come home and it seems like, you know, it ain't no fun if your homies can't have none. Everybody's getting in on the rushing party. He's like, oh, Trey Winslet, save me on red. And then, you know, C.J. Baxter gets up. Oh, Jaden Blue. Like everybody got a chance to go in there, so that running back room for Texas is crazy to say. For three straight years now, you can make the argument it's the best running back room in the country for three straight years. Like, that's I, I don't, that's pretty wild. That's uh, that's a Anglenite's pretty impressive uh claim to make, but honestly, I think they, that's the conversation that they're in.
0: Hey, uh, Rod, you talked about this, and I'm gonna go with Kale Sherrod here. Uh, his super chat Sark seems to be hitting his stride late with play calls. Best Texas record since I was five in 09. Boy, I was 39. (laughs) (laughs) Young man. (laughs) I I get it, Gail. Believe me. I think I'm not speaking just for myself. I think I probably speak – there's 3,400 people on this chat right now. I bet I speak for 2,400 of us. I mean, it's it's been Uh a while in uh, Texas winning the regular season uh, Big 12 title tonight uh, in going away fashion. I mean, really – uh, I'm. I'm in. I'm. I'm. I, I think I want to say uh, my favorite announcer going back to the Houston Rockets was a guy named Gene Peterson, and when the Rockets won, he'd just say, "How sweet it is," and that's how I feel tonight, guys. I mean, <laughs> the Longhorns literally uh, beat up on Texas Tech tonight in just about every way possible. Yes, uh, I thought that Taj Brooks played. Uh, you know, he, he seemed like he played with a spine, if that makes sense. But I think Texas enforced its will on Texas Tech in that second half. I mean, they blew out the Red Raiders. Uh, and yes, they did have to score in a couple of different ways. But man, what a dominating performance. Uh, so, so somebody's
2: asking about recruits, asked specific about Phil Same. Phil Same's at Florida, so I doubt he, he actually watched the game. He's with the Florida staff. Go
0: go over this, though. Dustin Wells asked this one, Jerry. What does this mean for all the outstanding commits or flips? Like, uh, look, you Texas, don't know, right? Well, Texas right now is really after two guys
2: that, for sure, and that's Kobe Black, who announced on the 29th, and Xavier Phil Same. Phil Same's on a visit to Florida right now, so likelihood is he probably didn't even see this game. Uh, he's with the Florida staff, the Florida team. Uh, but look, I just I don't think any one Texas performance puts you over the top with Xavier. Phil same at this point. Uh, he was on campus for uh, Tuesday. He watched the team preparation. Um, Florida, you know, having a rough season. Uh, that class is peeling off defensively. Those are the things that are impact Xavier. Phil same more than a fifty-seven-seven over Tech. He doesn't really care about that. Um, Texas is in play here because Florida's season's not going the way they wanted and recruits are starting to peel. That's, Texas will keep banging on that, uh, and that early opportunity for playing time as an early enrollee is what Texas and Florida are both selling. It's simply going to come down to what, uh, what Xavier Phil same as the, the program trajectory at Florida, not what he's looking for. Um, Texas has that. Um, and then, uh, you know, does he, is he going to end up staying – Uh, closer to his pops and McKinney or going closer to his mom in Florida um, and then player development. So we'll see what he does. Uh, But uh, tonight, I don't think had any impact on him. Uh, I think Florida's seasons had the
0: biggest impact in this recruitment. All right, I want to go to this one real quick from T. Why did we see Catalan late? Doesn't he start if healthy? Doesn't make much sense to risk him while up 50, if so. I think he just needs time right now, guys. I mean, he hasn't been getting much time lately. Uh, and he need to get back in there and get, get, get his beak wet, so to speak. I, I feel like uh, one thing I will add about not only Jalen Catalan, but Isaiah Nayor. Of the 25 guys expected to walk tonight, two didn't. And they were late scratches. One was Jalen Catalan. The other was Isaiah Nayor. Um, mm-hmm. And so Nayor does not graduate if he graduates until May. So we'll see if he puts his name in the portal in December, or if he waits and goes through spring ball. Never know what can happen if he does that. As far as Catalan, he has the opportunity to come back because of COVID, and so oh, yeah. they may yeah. want to keep him keep keep that going and and seeing where that comes in. Hey Rod, I got to ask you this one uh, from Michael Williams, Alabama game. I love the dump offs to running backs and QB runs. Ewers held on the ball too long tonight, causing sacks. Is he trying to go downfield too much? Awesome team win. Hook him. Hook him, That's Michael. Michael. Uh,
1: yeah, he doesn't hold to the ball too much. And like I said, sometimes, maybe I the say, State game, he did the same thing, right? Uh, even out of empty formation, I, t- I remarked that he took two of his four sacks, I believe, out of empty formation. The ball is supposed to come out quick, speeds up the internal clock. Sack rates actually uh, drop out of empty formation, and yet – He's getting sacked in empty, which means he's processing things a little slowly. They're probably taking away the first read, forcing him to go through progressions. Um, so I don't think, I don't know if he's trying to go down the field too much. I'm not sure that's it. Because Sark has dialed back some of his vertical shots downfield. That's what a lot of reasons I think, and I'll give Sark a lot of credit. We, we remarked that he was addicted to the deep ball, had to have it, right? Obsessed with the deep ball. How many frivolous deep shots has he taken in the last few games? How many?
0: Uh, we took one with Xavier Worthy tonight. He did. I don't when know if it was... Xavier Worthy had no business throwing that ball.
1: Well, that, that's a different discussion. About he's throwing it. That's a different discussion. You probably should have been throwing it to him. Yes. He probably should, because I to Jerry, Jerry even said when Jerry left the lot live watch that he's like, man, I don't want to see Xavier Worthy out here anymore. I want you to take him out. Right? And, you, that's, and by the way, that was before the injury but then X-Man came back out. X-Man is an X-Man, okay? So hes I don't know what's going on there, but I I think Sark is growing as a play caller, and I think one of the things is he's taking few of those unnecessary risks with the offense, but I think it's about trust, trust in the running game, trusting your line. But Quinn, I just think that's part of the reason he wants to come back to school is because NFL scouts are seeing the same thing that y'all are seeing, that I'm seeing, that Sark knows. The deeper that Quinn gets into a progression, the worse his accuracy, effectiveness, poise in the pocket, presence. It it all deteriorates as he goes through progressions. And it probably does for all quarterbacks, but it shouldn't at the rate it does for him. From his first read to second read, he goes from being an elite quarterback to being a a below average quarterback. And it shouldn't go, it shouldn't rapidly deteriorate that quickly.
0: Makes sense. Good explanation, too, Rod. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. Uh, you're listening to the post-game show on Texas football from the folks at Inside <laughs> Texas. Uh, we are sponsored by Flight, the next generation of light beer from Yingling, America's oldest brewery. Uh, taste it for yourself. Uh, Flight, the next generation of light beer. uh real
1: quick, Bobby. Can I tell you something about Yingling? Yes. My ma'am. my brother-in-law's in town. Comes in town and I'm at the I'm at the store just getting stuff for the family and he's like, "Hey man, you at the store, Would you do get me some Yang, Yangling Yingling Lager." And I was like, "Yeah, of course." I was he's like, "Oh man, they don't have it where he's from. Like they don't have it, but apparently cuz he was talking about his oldest brewery, he went on like this this trip and he visited the Yengling brewery. It is a small it's a small world. And he was like, "Man, you got to get me some because they have it here in Texas." And boom, he's been drinking Yingling the whole damn week, just hanging <laughs> out here, kicking it. So the house, we we got we got like multiple cases of Yingling. Was my point. So, and that that I, that was just that was natural, that was organic. And I was like, "Dude, they sponsor our postgame. It's our people. So there you go. Shout out. They're growing, man. The brand is growing."
0: Oh, there you go. Hey, we have a couple more things here. Uh, Jerry, I want to I want to take this on and I want to talk about it cuz uh Oregon barely escaped Texas Tech 38 to 30. Do you think the playoff committee will compare the two games? That's from Don P. Jay the Activist also uh mentioned that as well. Oregon and Texas Tech Texas both played uh Tech. A couple well, of things here uh, look, that I would say wait wait yeah. Jerry, let me finish. A couple things. One is they have to take into uh consideration a couple things there is actually rules that govern the playoff committee so they can't just go you know and and come up with their best or whatever they want to prioritize uh conference championships they want to prioritize head-to-heads yeah and then they want to prioritize common opponents and i would assume that means if all records are the same that you do that so you can't put one one loss team in, not in if a, another team has two losses. That, but when they're all the same, that's what they're talking about. Uh, for you guys, you know, Jerry, I know your your thoughts on this. That Oregon, yes, they played Tech, but it was in the second week of the season, at Tech as opposed to at Texas, but. The score disparity is pretty large. Well, right, let's my, be honest. my thoughts on
2: it were, I didn't agree with Oregon being over Texas when the first playoff uh, ranking came out, okay? I just didn't think that was the, the right call. But the issue I have right now, or the issue why I don't think Oregon is going to jump, or Texas is going to jump Oregon, is, look, I mean, yeah, Texas blew out Texas Tech. Oregon just blew out Oregon State, who's a ranked opponent, who was in the top twenty in the college football playoff. So I don't think you Oregon should have been over Texas to begin with. But now that where it's at six seven, I don't think they're going to make a move. Oregon and Washington play next week; it's going to take care of itself. Do I think Texas should have been ahead of Oregon initially? Yes. Do I think Oregon's body of work has kept get, getting better and better since they were ranked six? in uh, Texas' ranked seven. It, it, I hear anybody's argument that says though Oregon's probably body work may be better since the ranking. They have this is the first ranked team they've beat. I get it all. I Texas played a s- tougher strength of to schedule. Uh, just so people understand what I'm saying, I thought Texas should have been ranked ahead of Oregon when the first playoff ranking came out. But now is t- are they going to jump Texas over Oregon the week before Washington after Oregon beat Oregon State soundly? in a rivalry game I don't think they will that's my opinion on what I think they're going to do it's not my opinion on the two teams though. there's a difference fair
0: alright hey guys uh, Matt our producer has something uh, from coming in uh, from Twitter that I think folks will like Matt will you queue it up for us and play it
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to say for it Hey, 11 to 1, man. What's up with it? Yeah. <laughs> baby, we going to be 11. to 1, we lit. That's all I got to say, baby. We lit. And it's a blessing, man. We're going to man. the ship. We're going to the ship, uh, to the ship baby. Uh, I got to say, I went out with a bang. Senior freaking night, man. It's amazing. No, so the Dallas Main. I've been here for a long time. This is what I came back for. We're going to Dallas Main. I'll see y'all next week. Big
0: loans. We got boys are having some fun tonight, guys. Uh, yeah, as should it. the Texas fan base uh, right yeah, now. Uh it. a lot of uh, difficult yeah, times man. over the last uh decade or so. Uh but the, the program looks like it's moving in the right direction. Here's some things that were said tongue in cheek here from Zane Petty. This was the best big 12 ref crew all year. I don't know about that one, Kevin Marr. Uh, and then yeah. Tango <laughs> Lima Foxtrot brings this one up to me. 27 to 20 prediction, Bobby. Yes, that was me. I was only, I don't know, hey. 43 points off. Uh, but I will say this. I'm happy about that. So there's that. I'm, I'm okay being wrong. As long as and I'm right. on the right side of it. All right, here's and Derek Weisner's, Uh, What a team! What a win for the team and fan base. As a longtime fan, this win feels good. The future looks bright. Trey Weiser, his future looks bright as well, guys. Uh, we mentioned early in this show. If you're just joining us, Weiser not only had a terrific fourth quarter; he actually had three tackles. He 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 logged three tackles on special teams tonight. Uh, just a tremendous yeah. uh, all-around all around game uh, from him. All right, hey. here's this one. And, Rod, I want you to take this one if you don't mind. Please, From Chris Clark, please comment on the love of these players. They genuinely seem to celebrate when other people do well. Look at the Bush touchdown, Jet Bush, or the Trey Wisner score. Please, please. What do you think that means, Rod? They're having fun. They care about each other.
1: You've been on teams. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sark even talked about that, right? I think he talked about it with the Burt Arvin field goals in the Iowa State game, how certain guys would go out there and celebrate with the kicker. Like, nobody celebrates the kicker, especially not guys from the sideline. But he went out there and guys were celebrating with him. Guys are happy uh, that, you know, he's playing with a lot of confidence now. And I do think it's part of the culture that Sark has implemented. He talked about how there are certain – there are certain aspects to his culture that he likes to emphasize. And one of the things he did say was love. Like he talked about that. Like that's you no know, love players playing for one another, right? Love for the program, love for each other. And you can tell this group is a tight knit group, right? They play for each other and not only play for each other, they play for the program. Like I would say there are two types of long one football players. there are the guys that come to play for Texas and guys that come to play at Texas. All right. You want the guys that come to play for Texas because those are the guys that come They come to Texas and they want to know how can I help the program, what can I do, all right, for the program. The guys that come to play at Texas, they want to know what the program can do for them, all right? What can the program do for me? What kind of NIL opportunities can I get? How can y'all hook me up? But the guys who come to play for the program, the Rojos, the Jay Wits, they are becoming now the, the model for the players, right? They say the most respected man in that locker room is Jay Witt because of what he's been through. And Sark talks about how Jay Witt wanted to quit football. And he's like, I ain't going to let you quit, right? Because I know you're going to regret it. I'm a grown man. I got regrets. You're going to regret quitting football. I ain't going to let you quit. You got to come back here work hard. And now look at Jay Witt, right? He's got an opportunity to play in a Big 12 title game, has been here right through all the turmoil, through all the down uh, points in the program uh, recently. And, in, and obviously in his career and all the, the injuries and now, you know, he's got a chance to shine. So I think, you know, right now you're looking at there are certain aspects to this team, including the love they have for one another, how happy they are. I mean, I, I saw when uh, Jet Bush got the interception off the foot. I mean, to just see the reception that this guy gets when he comes back to the sideline? <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, I think he got as much love by seeing any player get you know, all season with that kind of play. There is. I can tell guys are happy because they seen the work that other players are putting in behind the scenes, and then they're seeing that work be rewarded on the field during the games, and it's helping the entire team. So that it's part of it, man. I, I played on special teams like that. That won, you know, eleven games, and we should have been championship teams. Um, but there was some special, um, you know, qualities about those teams, immeasurable things that you could not really quantify, and that and it was a close bond because of that stuff. And I'm still close
0: to those guys to this day. All right. Uh, Thanks, Rod, for that. And, uh, you know, I do think something special is going on here. Uh, Longhorns are playing for each other and with each other, uh, as well as they've done in a long, long time. It doesn't hurt that they have as much talent or more than they've had in a long, long time as well. So that makes it even better. Uh, Let's talk a little bit uh, in a second about the defensive line, because I think they deserve some credit. Uh, again, tonight, too, because they absolutely dominated Tech's offensive line. Uh, but first, in I want to in pass pro uh, in pass pro. But first, I want to mention this. Uh, some people had asked earlier about Cedric Baxter uh, and his health. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian said it was a hip pointer held him out because of a lopsided score. Probably a coach's decision more than anything. Because he got that last week. He got that last week against Iowa State. Yep. Absolutely. So just keep that in mind. Hey, I do want to ask about the defensive line. Yes. In pass past rush situations, they were dominant. I thought they were dominant in run running situations too, Jerry, but Taj Brooks is just a really, really good back. that It right. takes more than one guy to bring him down. Yeah. I mean, he bulldozed a couple, he bulldozed Jaron Thompson one time guys. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was a strong run. Uh, so, but, but, Tavondre Sweat, we saw him there. Alfred Collins had a nice game. Byron Murphy, uh, his normal self. Ethan Burke getting into coverage one time, as well as coming around the edge. Baron Sorrell with another strong game. Yep. I mean, you know, you talk about consistency, Rod, and what they've gotten from uh, the consistency from their special teams. I would say the defensive line has probably been the most consistent unit uh, or individual position of any all-season all season yeah,
1: long. no, I totally agree with you, you know, because uh, even though, uh, the linebacker group right early on in the season, there was some uh, some inconsistent play from the linebacker group. Uh, but the D line, I mean, they, especially the interior D line, we haven't had an off game from the best D tackle duo in the league. And it's, it's the best D tackle duo in Texas since Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. They're both going to be first team, all big 12 uh, D tackles. And we haven't had two D tackles do that since. Casey and Sean, that's where it starts. It starts with Devondre, Sweat, and Byron Murphy. And they've been, they're actually becoming more and more dominant as the season goes on, which is weird to say, strange, because usually teams would, you know, game plan to try to neutralize those players. And I think they are. I think that's just how good they are. (laughs) That Even game plans to neutralize them aren't effective because Devondre Sweat's still out there making plays that are draft highlight reel worthy plays.
0: Just impressive. Uh they, they've been so good all year long, guys. They really have. Uh they really brought it in a couple games like the I not just tonight, but I, I go back to that Kansas State game.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they
0: just totally made Kansas State one-dimensional
2: all night. Or that, all that, honestly, that was their best performance of the season because that was QB run game and two different types of running backs. They ran it inside, they ran it wide, they had a they had schemes for all sorts of run plays Kansas State did, and they they took that away. They totally made Kansas State leave a game plan that's worked for them all
0: season. And, Jerry, here's another thing. Texas had its backup quarterback plan too. Uh, By the way, Sark did say uh, Malik got injured uh, on a kick return by Keelan Robinson. Uh, That was another injury I wanted to mention as well as Ryan Watts. Earlier and did not mention this one from George Lopez.
2: By the way, when Arch came into the game, people were texting saying Malik's not on sidelines, nobody knows what happened, where he is. Since he wasn't a player in the game, the TV telecast never went to it to show okay, Malik Murphy's walking off to the locker room. I mean, since he wasn't on the field and he got hurt, so nobody in the stands, nobody really knew what was going on.
0: Gotcha. Uh, this one from George Lopez. I like the young DBs we have. Hopefully, they oh. uh, stay. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell You know what, Malik, Mah- or Manny Muhammad made a whale of an interception. Oh, Jared's yeah. Made a good one as well. Uh, Derek Williams laid the wood a couple uh, times. Yeah. I, you're you're the you're the former DB.
1: You like those young guys? Yeah, man. I was excited. All right, let's start with Malik Muhammad's play that he made. Uh, because I've talked about these guys, there are certain guys, and it you know what? It actually just opposed to the play, uh, King Crawford, the PI. Remember that play? So King Crawford, at first he's he's looking back at the quarterback while playing the receiver, and then des- and decides to to change, and he starts playing the receiver and looking at the receiver instead of looking back for the football, and then he ends up being called for the PI. And you can debate whether that was a PI or whether that was a you know strict interpretation of the rules, whatever. But if you'll look how Manny Muhammad plays it, he never he, he plays the ball the entire time. I'm not saying one technique is, you know, more uh, you know, better than the other and is a, a more ideal technique than the other. It, it depends on what your skill set is as a DB. But getting to Malik Muhammad's skill set, he's ball-oriented. Go watch the play. He never tries to identify where the receiver is. He identifies him once when he initially tracks him and loses him. And then he 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 looks for the ball and tracks the ball the entire time. He 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 only ends up like I, I believe identifying the receiver again, reacquiring him after he's already got basically the ball. He's tracked the ball. He's going, he's a ball hawk. That's a ball hawk. I'm thinking ball. Somebody I think man, some guys think assignment, some guys think ball first. He's a ball first guy all the time. And it helps to have those kind of guys out there because they're going to end up, they might get beat every now and then, but they're also going to end up making a lot of plays more than they give up. And I think that's what I love about him. Also, the young buck, Terrence Brooks. First of all, he's a technician. His dad is a DB footwork coach, you know, playing the NFL. He's got, you know, sweet feet, great hips. He can play press man coverage. They're trying to play more press on the field side. They didn't trust their other DBs to play that press on the field side. There's a lot of space out there to defend. But if you're a technician, you can you can cut that down. And he and with the right leverage and with the right technique and on interception, honestly, that's for him, that's a that's a real tape route. I mean, that's a that's that's a almost a perfect rep for him as a DB. Um, that was not a wasted movement, not a wasted step. Only thing I guess you could say, I, I think he he did catch it. Um, but, you know, he, there was no other way for him to make that play a better play in terms of how he played it. So I, I love the two young DBs. I think they're great. And Derek Williams, I mean, he's he's your best coverage safety already. Just got here, and he already is.
0: Yeah, well, that's three young guys that are going to get a lot of time next year for sure. Uh, this one comes in from RC. We're going back to questions here. The Look at the these fifth- and sixth-year senior quarterbacks dominating the QB landscape. Just win, baby. Watching from Japan. What hey. time of day is it over there, my man? Uh, hey, but but in all seriousness, I watched Dylan Gabriel today just pick TCU apart. Oh, my goodness. Um, and yet, they're talking about he might even come back next year. He's already been a fifth-year player. I mean, Cam yeah. Rising is going to be on his seventh year at Utah next year. That's crazy. Um, you know, I, I don't know what people – what to say about it? 2:40 p.m. There you go in Japan. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: that's crazy. But my, my point on this, for Michael Penix folks, and Bo
2: Nix next week, and they uh, our very old quarterback conference championship game.
0: Yes, Michael Penix, Bo Nix is, is a great one. Uh, I I just look around and I agree with him. A lot of older quarterbacks right now. After we get out of this COVID year, I think it's going to be a little bit. Right. Uh, but that's hey, Jordan, still another year. Jordan Travis was a fifth-year guy at FSU. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah, good stuff, guys. All right, uh, this one from Derek Smith. Uh, we talk about the red zone. When your interior O-line is weak, it's going to be hard to score in the red zone. Do you all agree? I don't know that the – look, Hayden Connor's not the best run-blocking guy in small space. He's not a mover. He's more of a screener, mm. to your point. Um, uh, there, there's some there's some truth in that, I, I think, but I don't think that the entire interior is weak. I don't think Jake Majors and DJ Campbell no. are weak. Uh, so y- y- it's a it's a little bit of a mix there, Derek. In my yeah. opinion,
1: it's also um, I and I, my man Ian Boyd talks about this on Football Theory. And I think it's a really good uh, theory uh, about why they struggle in the red zone. Combination of interior offensive line, inconsistency, inadequacy, whatever you want to say, but also Quinn's uh, inefficiency once he gets deeper into progressions. And in the red zone, those those progressions have to come even quicker. You got to process even faster, right? Because the, the space is so condensed. And the windows, because he's a first read, first window thrower, the windows are smaller. The so windows are smaller for those first window throws and your know, progressions have to be even quicker. And for him, that's so that throws off the passing game. The running game is thrown off because of the interior offensive line push or lack thereof. And then I think Sharks' offense, and this goes for every offense, just operates better with more space. But you're condensing, and you know, the space. And I think all that combined just makes it a fluster cluck, if you, if you will. The and, and, and
2: then, the, and then the third thing is you you don't have a Cody Johnson that you can just hand yeah. it to. And you're guaranteed two yards when the field is really condensed. So yep. they're kind of that, that's a big part of it, too. I've, I've wondered recently, I asked a question to a, a coaching buddy. Um, if you don't want to take Hayden Connor off the field, that's fine. Kick him out the tight end and bring in Neto at guard from the inside the three yard line. I mean, if you don't want to bring him off the field, kick him out the tight end, bring Neto in and get a little more push if you don't want to take the guy off the field. I, But I think the one thing to to add to that is they don't have a true power back
1: either. Mm -hmm.
0: They may eventually with C.J. Baxter, but they don't right now.
2: Or Christian Clark may just have that. I think Christian Clark, guys, if you want to know what I think Christian Clark is, I think you watched him for Texas Tech tonight. I think Christian Clark has that toughness and that uh, natural ability to drop pads on contact while his feet are moving and his knees are up. He's getting a little more violent cutter, but I think there's some
0: similarities between those two guys. That'll play nice. in the SEC. Yeah. Ooh, um, I, I, Nip, Taylor Johnson nitpicking, but the O-line has to clean up the false starts. Look, they did this in Lubbock too. I, Tech was gaming the system a little bit, and they got called on it actually at one point about false uh, false snapping or actually uh, mocking uh, the uh, – Oh, the
1: defense. System. Did they do that? Oh, yeah, that's illegal.
0: Yeah, they, they did that quite a few times. I'm not saying that happened every time, okay, but that's something to consider. Uh, Lancey Wright, thank you very much, uh, Bud, for the uh, super chat. We appreciate you. same with you, Aaron. Uh, I'm trying to get to all of these questions as much as we can right now. Um, this one's going to go from uh, Jordan Baker. Uh, this season has been the definition of football. Close wins, blowout wins, tough losses. Singular right now, Jordan. Uh, Injuries, people stepping up, and the coaching has even too. Uh, What What do you think about uh, this? We've seen we've run the gamut this year. He's right. Yeah, we've seen all kinds of different uh, Texas teams. We've seen a team that looked like they were, you know, on cloud nine in Tuscaloosa. Uh, A team that couldn't figure out what to do the very next week uh, against Wyoming until the fourth quarter. Rod, you called them a spurty, a team that lived in yep. spurts. Yep are they Are they finally putting it together though? Because it kind of looks like it. They kind of figured out who they are, I think, in the last couple of
1: weeks. That would be, you know, what and, and the crazy thing about that would be they've actually, you know, had, had sustained some losses. Right, Jonathan Brooks went down, and you thought that would have been something that would have been devastating, but it also may have kind of helped them forge this this identity. And I think what Sark ultimately wants, and I will get—I think this is what, you know, the last two games that I think Sark is really happy about. He wants to close teams out with the running game. He wants to finish teams with the run game. And in the second half in both Iowa State and in this game versus Tech, the run game is what finished the opponent. He basically was able to grind them into submission with the run game. And that's what they were most proud of versus Bama. That you went into Tuscaloosa, yeah, against an Alabama roster and Nick Ething Saban. and you grinded them into submission in the fourth quarter of that game. Like that is that, that's what he that's what the, I think that's when Sark said I can do it to anybody. I can do it to anybody. I can do it to if I can do it to them on the road, Tuscaloosa. I can do this to every damn team we play, and then it didn't go that way <laughs> for a few games. During the season, still found a way to get the win. That's what matters. And I think now, hopefully, they're at the end of the season. And this is the formula that Sark wants to implement. We open up. We do our thing. Spectacular, exotic. We get a lead. And we get a lead, we finish. We close with the run game. It's strange to say that without Jay Brooks, but that's been the case the last two games.
2: And what's been impressive to me about that this year is lack of health on the offensive line. Because it's, there hadn't been a ton of continuity this year, right? I mean, Jake Majors misses the majority of the OU game. Kelvin Banks has hobbled um, for a couple, three games. D, Cole Hudson misses time. DJ Campbell, first-year starter. Christian Jones misses a game. So yeah. this has not been a healthy offensive line this year. It hasn't been a total mass unit, but it hasn't been healthy either. It's been somewhere in between. So they've had to work with more – Uh, lack of continuity or consistency up front in terms of health. Uh, Last year, they had all five starters the entire season. and We knew that wouldn't happen two years in a row, but I think they even had a little bit more injury issues on the offensive line than we all anticipated. This year, it's just the way the breaks go. It's a physical game.
1: So are they just getting healthier now at the right time?
0: I think so. I I, I think they are. I think they're healthier, and you know what else I think they are? They're just deeper. Yeah. I mean, they can. Two years ago, they couldn't have handled one missed lineman. They didn't have enough to play a full spring game.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> heard right. You're right. Um,
0: and now they're looking at what, 16, 17 in the 2D or uh, among the group, Jerry, a, a, along various different age groups. Right. So uh, I just think they're in such a healthier position overall, not just individual health right now. Uh, so. The whole position, uh, the whole offensive line unit is in a better situation. All right. Uh, y'all, you guys are listening to the post game show. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton alongside Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. Uh, this has been brought, or this is being brought to you by Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer from America's uh, oldest uh, brewery. That's Flight, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. All right, a couple of things. I heard this one break out a little bit tonight, guys. I heard a little oh, SEC, SEC <laughs> chant. Uh, Stark after dark. Let's go hook them. Uh, thanks, mm-hmm. Sean, for the super chat. I agree. Uh, you know, look, Texas has done I, I I wondered when the first chant would be. Okay. Did we all did, right? Yeah. It felt
1: appropriate, did it not? Yeah. It was it was more of a, I think it's more of a middle finger to Brett Yarmark and- Yes. Yeah, yes. twelve. It was more yes. of an insult to the Big Twelve than pride in the SEC. I think you know. I think a lot of people. Do. I'm sure Texas won't have pride in the SEC, their new home. But it was more of a fu Big Twelve.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, hey, this one comes from Sean Roberts. I love how hard Keelan Robinson plays when he's in culture. Got a touchdown, Got two touchdowns on senior night. Yeah. Don't forget that he got that behind the right. scrimmage pass. They call in a corner to run as a lateral from Quinn. Uh, do we think he has an NFL future as a special teams oh, ace? man? What, what do you think? What do you, do you guys think that that's even possible for him? He's not real big. Not nec-
2: not necessarily as a return guy, but as a coverage guy. I mean, can he be? I, I don't want to rule it out because
0: Sark has said he thinks he can be. Um, what, I, if I, he, what if he plays for somebody? I mean, I'll just put it out there. But what if he plays for somebody – specializes in getting people in space and he can be a boutique player for like the dolphins.
1: I'm just, I'm just putting it. that out there. No, they, I mean, you're talking about a, a guy that he fetishizes speed, right? Much like Sark. Right? right? Fetish and uses a lot of pre-stand motion just like Sark. Um so I'm not I'm not opposed to that I, I think it, it'll be tough because of the the devaluation of the running back position overall there'll just be other guys that don't the, like Keelan Robinson think about it, there are guys who are now some of the best players in college football at the running back position. And they're going to be relegated to what Keely Robinson is in Sark's offense in the league. (laughs) Like right now they're like elite players in college football. So what is Keely Robinson going to be? But if he, in in terms of special teams, I think he can be a special teams ace. He really can Problem is he should have been in Rod B's time. Right When Rod B. went to the NFL, when you can make a a living out of it, you can do it these days, but it's a lot tougher because they just don't emphasize the kicking game the way they used to. The kicking game is dying in the NFL, slowly but surely. Fewer returns, period, for explosive players like Keelan Robinson, um, And fewer kicks being returned. Main teams don't emphasize coverage units like they used to. You needed coverage aces back in the day. You make you had to make sure, like, oh, man, they're returning a ton of punts. I got to make sure that, you know, the guys that are going down to cover them, that they are elite players, elite athleticism with elite speed. Um, I was a great gunner. I mean, honestly, one of the reasons I stayed on my roster in Detroit is because I was an awesome gunner. But, you know, these days, I don't know if it's prioritized as much because teams, they don't return the ball as much. There aren't as many kick returns for touchdowns. Yards per returns are way down. And the NFL is trying slowly but surely to really de-emphasize the kicking game. They're basically trying to, you know, make it something that is um, it, it essentially is an irrelevant moot play in football. And they're trying to get rid of it slowly but surely because it's also where the most injuries and concussions occur. So they don't like that either.
0: Yeah, i i can I can understand that, and that makes sense. I hadn't thought about it because, I mean, now it used to be just a couple of punters in the NFL would bomb punts. Now every single one of them seems like they can bomb it. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah. Hey, uh, I want to get into this. Tyree Gatson asked us about uh, how how about Burt Auburn? I Completely agree. Record long, fifty four yarder, five of five on the night, uh, as well as I think five of five on extra points. Uh, so, or, or five, of, or six of six, I can't remember. Let me ask you guys this uh, real quick. If y'all had to pick an offensive player of the game for the Longhorns, who would it be? I mean, it seems like it was pretty evenly distributed to me.
1: I'm going to go Jaden Blue. Jaden Blue. Blue. I'm going Blue. What great. about you,
0: Jerry? Offensive player of the game.
1: Um,
2: I'm trying to think. Uh, probably – Probably bird over bird Auburn over blue slightly. Yeah. Okay. Auburn was awesome.
0: Yeah. I, I just offense, not special teams. I would go. I would go Jaden Blue as well. I hadn't really thought about him because, you know, I didn't watch him the last quarter and a half. They just basically took him out and they handed it over to Savion Red and uh, Trey Weiser. Uh, but I would definitely go Blue. I think uh, with a hat tip, by the way, to the Texas offensive line. Uh, on that yes, one. Sir. What about the defensive side of the ball? Um Jalen Ford, uh, Savandre Sweat,
2: Alfred Collins. Jalen had a, a great game if he had picked off that pass in the fourth
1: quarter. Yeah,
0: great game.
1: Yeah. He could went to the house too. He might yes. have a little
0: house call on that one. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jalen Ford uh, probably because I think the the defensive line was. None of them like actually stood out above the others. They were all good tonight, if that makes sense. Yeah. At linebacker, I think Jalen Ford with eight tackles, and you know he had to be uh, he had to be the guy with Taj Brooks at, at a certain a certain level. He had to be the guy that had that responsibility, uh, and he took care of it. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, tell on- you
2: who had a good good game and a very timely play was Terrence Brooks. That was a very timely interception right after the Texas interception.
0: Yes. No doubt. All right. A couple other questions here that we got to get to, guys. Uh, Looking ahead, if Quinn returns next year, will there be a true quarterback competition in the spring? I I mean, I think it's too early to say for sure. But I I don't think Sark's going to roll out the guy that he thinks is He's going to roll out the guy he thinks is the best, right? I mean, you got to do it. First world problems. (laughs) That is indeed first world problems. All right. Hey, how about the the short yardage stuff? What about adopting the rugby tush push that the Philadelphia Eagles have utilized so well? Uh, Can we adopt this successfully for the red zone? Maybe, but not with Quinn Ewers at quarterback.
1: No. Didn't they try it in the Bama game? That's what I think they tried yeah, right. I don't know what it was, but I thought they they tried it and it did not work really out well for him. Um, no. Yeah, I think he. I think you're right. He's too frail, right? He's too frail for it. Quintus. Yeah, he's not. Out of
0: some. He's not like squatting like 700 pounds like yeah. Jalen Hurts. Agreed. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a freak from that pr- perspective. And uh, he's the only I, one that really does it successfully in the NFL.
2: That's true. Yeah, a UT
0: boy. I don't think your super chat came through. All right, here's one. Uh, Jerry, was Micah Hudson watching, Jerry? I mean, I don't I'm sure so, I'm Ryan sure. Wingo was there. Yeah, Ryan I'm Wingo sure, I'm was sure he was watching, but Texas isn't making a push there. They're happy with <laughs> that.
2: And they're going Micah, to the corner for more.
0: For those Dang. unaware, Micah Hudson is the uh, wide receiver from Lake Belton that's committed Ooh. to Texas Tech. Uh, like he it. probably did not like the outcome. Uh, yesterday hey let's let's take a spin on this one from jordan uh, oklahoma state is an easier path to victory but i can't lie and say i don't want to get back on oklahoma you guys have a preference here of, of which team texas yes. plays uh, next saturday what is it jerry uh, oklahoma
2: state for sure for me because um i think they ma- it's a better matchup for texas i know texas fans are foaming at the mouth of what ou but i don't I, I, is keep me away in, in a win or go home scenario. Keep me away from the team that if they get hot offensively um, and can play tempo and can attack your weaknesses better than anybody else on the schedule uh, with a QB run game, that they got 113 yards against you. I don't, I don't want, I'll worry about revenge next year. Give me the best matchup next week.
0: Yeah. My, I, what do you think?
1: No, he's right. I I wanted revenge. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I did want the revenge uh, just because I thought if – and I wanted them – by the way, I wanted them undefeated. I wanted them undefeated. I wanted Oklahoma to be undefeated when Texas played them in the Big 12 title game and it be basically a showdown for the college football playoff. That's what I wanted, and you get the revenge factor. But Jerry is right. If we're just talking football, matchups, X's and O's, then there's no question you want to play Oklahoma State – Every team that's been a run-first team has been a bad matchup against Texas. What are you talking about K-State, even Texas Tech, right? Texas Tech came into that game as a run-first team. and ran the ball 40-plus times in four of the last six games prior to playing Texas. They have been focusing on Toss Brooks, and we see why now. a <laughs> grown-ass mate out there <laughs> running the football. And, but still, against Texas, this is not a good matchup. If that is your identity as a team, is to be run-first. And with Ali Gordon, as a great running back, right? He's going to be a dope Walker Award finalist probably. That's just – that. that's a good matchup for Texas. I don't know if it's a bad matchup for uh, Oklahoma State. I'm not going to say that. But it's a really good matchup for Texas playing a team that is run-centric like that.
2: And, um, by, and by the way, another reason you want Oklahoma State, for the people that are looking at college football playoff, right, you want Kansas State and Oklahoma State to win tomorrow. Um, then you want a chance – you know, to beat Oklahoma State, right? I mean, because Oklahoma State beat OU, Kansas, and Kansas State. That'll be talked about all week. Is that hey, Oklahoma State, man? Let's talk about Oklahoma State. They beat OU, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. All right. Uh, now they got Texas. Okay. Well, Texas knocks beats them. I mean, it, that that to me, it's a better matchup for Texas. But I, I want, and that's the main reason I want. But then Texas is to play three teams ranked in the top twenty in that college football playoff. Go, go to – and and not just in conference play, okay? Then you have Alabama. If you beat Oak State next week, you've gone three and one against teams ranked in the top 20 in the college football playoff.
1: Yep.
0: I'm going to say this. I want Texas to play Oklahoma State, uh, and it does deal with matchups, and it has to deal okay. with that. And I'll say this. There's only one aspect of any team in the Big 12 that really concerns me, Okay. And that's Oklahoma's offense. When they're hot, they're as good as you can get and they can beat you. And that's what we saw in Dallas. When they're not, yeah, Texas can win, but I, I personally don't see anything with Oklahoma state that says, Oh, wow. They can now they may end up being a good team or whatever, Rod and Jerry, but it's not like you're scared of them or something, or you, you no. got to play timid, uh, that, you know, some this or that. Yes. Ollie Gordon's a good back, um, and they played good defense, but there's a but there, right? Look, look yeah. Ollie Gordon is if good back. Gabriel is hot. Yeah, Oklahoma is extraordinarily tough to
2: beat. Agreed. Ollie Gordon is a good back. I don't think he's better than Taj Brooks. That that I think Texas just played the best back they'll play. But Ollie Gordon's still gotta have plays blocked for him. Taz Brooks' offensive line isn't great. He'll just make plays. He's just he's just runs pissed off with really good feet. Ollie Gordon, I don't think is as good as Taj Brooks. Uh, or, or also Oklahoma State, they're going to pull two and they're going to run power. I mean, you know what's coming against those guys, and I think that matches up really well for Texas.
0: Got it. Uh, this one from uh, Michael Williams: Love the night games. Does TV conference dictate when play teams play? Do teams have much say in playing night games? No, they don't. It's no. almost 100% TV nowadays. Yep. Uh, when you get your season tickets, it doesn't say a game time. You just get the tickets to the game on that date. They don't tell you when it's going to be played. Uh, DC history here. Uh, Cam Williams looked good again. He and Neto, are Chippy Man, Neto was extremely chippy, along with DJ Campbell, by the way, who blocks to the whistle and maybe a half second later. Uh, those two and Daniel Cruz are going to bring some serious bully ball in the future they're all i mean that's they're not
1: wrong i nasty. i agree with this yep they got some nasty nasty old lineman man who just they play they play with a chip on their shoulder they play with an attitude that you need that uh casey stutter taught me that you need that
0: <laughs> yes absolutely uh this from jordan baker uh love what you guys are you love what y'all do and what we're doing <laughs> hook them uh hook them oh jordan Hey, I, I, as we wind down here on the post game show sponsored by flight from Yingling, I want to ask you guys major takeaways from tonight. Like, you know, I, we, we started this show and I asked you guys your thoughts about the game itself, but what about the, the, the whole idea of senior night of putting it in Brett Yormark's face of Sark now when being an 11 one coach, um, put all that together and and maybe articulate your biggest takeaways from the entire night uh, tonight.
1: That's good. Um, I'll say that, you know, once again, I just think the team proved that they got great football character, whether it be about responding to a team, calling out their, you know, calling out their football culture, which tech did multiple times all season and even last season, uh, Brett Yarmark with his joke, um whether that be about having other guys step up in roles because, you know, guys are getting injured or because, you know, Jay Brooks was out. And even when, you know, Jaden Blue is put on the sideline and other guys have to step up because it's a blowout and they want to you know, manufacture some depth and get other guys reps. There's a pride and a standard that guys are playing to now. Right. And so at least that's what we saw in that game. Now, we haven't had many games, but Texas can empty out the bench and let a a lot of young guys get reps because they're winning by such a wide margin. But in this game, we did see it. And and guys wanted to play to a standard. They wanted to make sure there wasn't a drop off in that performance. Um, They kept their foot on the pedal and closed out an opponent. Um, We talked about how in the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, the last six weeks, I should say, um, Texas had trouble closing out opponents right to to finishing games, they were they were holding on for their life, making clutch plays in critical moments would also stu- showed great football character. But we wanted this team to play to a standard. That was the next step, right? We talked about the Bobby Bowler quote. When you're building a program, first you lose big, you know, then you lose close, then you win close, and then you win big. Well, the Sark is in win close phase. You no, know, At the end of this season, you want to start – you know ascending toward the win big phase. We're playing to a standard, not the competition. And so there's just so many different elements you can throw out there, man. There's so many different instances and circumstances where I can point to football character. I can point I can I can point to you know the uh tremendous team grit this team has and those are those are character traits of a team that in my opinion I, I think are substantive, right? That shows you that and Sark's been intentional about this. He's been very, very deliberate about building this culture a certain way with certain players, with certain personalities, Mm -hmm. as as Jerry's talked about and Justin has talked about what they're bringing into the program. They're not bringing in just every four and five star blue chip. Just certain guys. These are our kind of guys that we're bringing in. And Sark said it before the season. We should listen to him. He said, this team, they look like my team. They, They talk like my team. They play like my team. They run like a Sark team. And our question in response to that was, that sounds cool. But it's a Sark team, a championship team. Right. If this is a Sark team, and the first true, truly Sark team you've had. Then is a Sark team, a title team. And right now, not, I don't want to jinx it, but they—they're they, the only way to play for it. All right. And right now, a Sark, the Sark team that he described earlier, that looked like his team, and played like his team, and talked like his team, and responded to adversity like his team, and was vulnerable. He talks about this man talks about vulnerability now. He, he, he talks about that now. He said, I want my team to be vulnerable. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Vulnerability. Yeah. You know, he's talking about, he's talking about every man individually being vulnerable, opening to each other. And he's trying to be vulnerable so that we grow closer as a team. These are, it's some deep stuff going on behind that locker room, guys, in that locker room behind those doors. It really is. I remember being a part of something special like that, and I didn't get to witness the ultimate achievement on the team in 05 but I remember in 2 when I left it thinking, man, they're going to be better than we were. And we won 11 games. They're going to be better than we were. And I hope that's the way these seniors feel leaving that, man, I left it better than I found it. And I and I passed down every lesson. I passed down all my tricks of the trades, these young bucks. And as long as they keep passing it down, we can do what Matt did, right? nine ten win seasons in a row competing for title after the title may even be better but you gotta have pride enough to and you gotta care enough for the program and for your brother to pass it down to him and to make sure that this standard doesn't drop off so i yeah i know i'm proud i'm happy for him i'm happy for the fans because i know how much he means to all the fans and i'm glad that these guys now finally knows they finally know and understand what this program means to so many people and they play like that now. They play like it, it matters to millions of people around the world because it does. <laughs> I learned that. it does. We know that. It, it matters to, to a lot of people. And they play with that kind of pride, man. They do.
0: I want to add something that Jerry brought up in the pregame that we were talking about, or actually during the watch with us. David Benda mm-hmm. cried pregame because he's his last game. Uh, You talk about football character, you talk about things, special things going on behind the scenes that that's indicative of that sort of thing, Rod. Yep. Uh, I really believe that. So thanks for that. Uh, Jerry, what about you? Your your big takeaway for for uh, tonight?
2: I my big takeaway. Rod said everything great. My big takeaway was the crowd, the environment. Uh, CDC's built um, and, and UT's built around Bevo Boulevard. I thought it was full exposure tonight, and, and I think it shows what this program can be moving towards the SEC. Uh, because look, it, it's a it's a fan based conference with a lot of talent,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and Texas is moving to a fan based, crazed conference with a lot of talent on its own roster and more on the way. I think this shows. I mean, I was sitting there thinking about this game tonight and say, man, Florida and Georgia are playing in Austin next year. I mean, what Texas fans have in front of them in the SEC is going to be so much fun. I mean, yeah, traveling to Ames, it was great to go watch a win. Where would you rather go? Would you rather go play at Florida next year in two years? I mean, would you rather go play at LSU Everything that's in front of the Texas fan base—from the team, from the player development, to the roster bill for Sark and the staff—to what you have in front of you with the fans and the SEC, the venues, the future of all sports in the SEC. But we're talking football here. Future of football in the SEC. I mean, you're moving to the best conference, mm-hmm. and you're going to have the rivalry back with Texas AM and next year. That's been missing. It's led kids to leave this state. I. Firmly believe that helped push kids out of state because that game wasn't played. You got all this coming back and you got all of it coming back at a time where your, your coach is building this thing the right way. And he's recruiting the right ways, making use of the portal and your quarterback room's very healthy. That's a healthy program. Yep. All
0: right. I'm going to say what I think here in, in about tonight. Um, Rod mentioned, leave it better than what you found it. Tonight, we, we watched 23 seniors or uh, play their final game in DKR, as well as a handful of juniors that, like Xavier Worthy, played their last game at DKR. I'm proud of those guys yeah. because they absolutely did leave it better than what they found it. They came in not all under the same circumstances. You have Christian Jones that's been here six years. You've had Xavier Worthy that's been here three, mm-hmm. right? But they all bought in and created a team that has been the best Texas team since 2009. Yep. And that the proof is in the pudding. We always talk about that. We talked about it in the preseason. Wow, they look really good on paper. Quinn should be better. J.T. Sanders is good. How are they? How are teams going to stop all these wide receivers? Three wide receivers may have one thousand yards. In the, you know, <laughs> all of these kind of crazy stats that, that, that can be thought and uh, you know discussed. But how how rare is it that it all comes together? Mm-hmm. And it in large part came together from I don't know Jet Bush, Jalen Ford, uh, Tavondre Sweat. Christian Jones, Jake Majors yeah. Jordan Whittington for heaven's hmm. sakes I forgot him. yeah um, you know guys that are really the core came to play and made something happen. Alfred Collins, another one that had a good game tonight. Uh, so my takeaway is is exactly that leave things better than where what you found them no matter what you do in life hmm. and you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a good time. Uh, and Texas fans are enjoying the fruits of the labor of those guys tonight. I really I, do. I really. want to
2: add one more thing.
0: Quinn and Ryan Watts left
2: the state for college initially, and they went to a great program in Ohio State. And they 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 decided it was best for them to come back home. And, look, it was some both those guys have had their ups and downs, right? But those guys just helped Texas – Get to a Big 12 championship game. And that is big stuff in for the future of Texas football, too. That guys that left the state, you mm. know what? Ryan Watts even started a handful of games at Ohio State, but they came back home to Texas and helped Texas kind of get over the top once again. Andy yeah, yeah. That stuff's big. You
0: know who I didn't mention tonight? Oh, I like think I should have Jade Baron. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Him. Uh, he, he walked tonight, too. Uh, here's the full list. I'm going to give it to you because uh, let's get going. Paxton Anderson, Jerry Jones' uh, grandson, uh, the walk-on. Gus Azel, another walk-on. Jade Barron, Patrick Bayouth, a wa- uh, walk-on tight end. Jet Bush, Trill Carter, Alfred Collins, Keaton Crawford, Jalen Ford, David Benda, Sawyer Gorham Welch, Christian Jones, Tannehill Love, Gabe Lozano, Jake Majors, hmm. uh, Byron Murphy, Keelan hmm. Robinson, Ryan Sanborn, hmm. Devondre Sweat, Jaron Thompson, Ryan Watts, Jordan Whittington. I'm gonna leave it the last one with this. Peter Mpagi, young man uh, from uh, Richmond, Texas, that yeah. had a heart transplant. Yeah, he he came in with all of these guys four years ago, had to have a heart transplant. Two and a half years ago, I guess now. Mm-hmm. Uh he Steve Sarkeesian had him walk with the seniors tonight as well. All right. Yeah, that's that's uh that's caring about other other people. All right, yep. uh, that's gonna do it for tonight, guys. Uh uh this has been fun, uh, an unbelievable regular season. Uh now the post-game gets to go into the postseason. Uh, excited about that <laughs> as well. Uh like and subscribe for more of the best long sure. coverage. Make sure you guys. Check us out on InsideTexas.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of post-game coverage going on over there right now. Eric Nolene and the staff uh, getting after it, uh, including quotes from Sark and others in the post-game. Uh, so make sure you do that. Also, uh, check us out in, tomorrow morning. We'll have uh, rapid reactions. Uh, hopefully I can get Justin Wells uh, going to do a Saturday conversation. Jerry and I got to do stuff. Uh, Drew Kelson, you'll notice, did not join us tonight. That's because he put his two girls in the car and went to the game at the last hey. second. <laughs> so I'm sure nice. he's going to want to talk about the game tomorrow uh, as well. All right. For Jerry Hambleton, Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, that's been uh, the post-game show, and uh, I'll just say it. How sweet it is. Mm-hmm. 11 and 11-1, Big 12 regular season champs. Hook them. Hook them.